Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to this spirit-filled word by David Entry. A time to hear God's word is a time to be visited. May you receive a visitation as you listen to this message. Be blessed. What's your blessing in this season? Your confession will be your possession. What's your blessing in this season? Anointing is not usually caught in a day. Full anointing. That's why Elisha said, I will not leave you. As long as your soul liveth, I will not leave you. He kept following. That's why Jesus called the twelve when he started his ministry. He called them early so they can be with him. Mark chapter um, 4 verse 13 or so. That they, he, he, he called 12 that they might be with him. Where from this one to? That he called 12 Mark chapter 4.13 or 3.14. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. Ordained 12. Why? Not, not that they should go out. That they might be with him. Because there is something about being with the person. If you see any woman who is pregnant, she has been with somebody. How can you be pregnant without being with somebody? That's why I don't believe in long distance marriage where husband is living here, wife is sleeping there. Even husband is sleeping in one room, wife is sleeping in. It's also not the best. It's, it's, it's not the best. They must live in one house and use one bed and use it well. <laughs> so you have to be with your husband to be pregnant. You have to be with your wife to be pregnant. Sister, you can't say you are pregnant, but you haven't been with anybody. Yeah. So he said he appointed 12 that they, uh, that they should be with him and that he might send them forth. After they have been with him, he can send them forth. What you are able to do for God has a lot to do with whom you have been with. They, he appointed them to be with him. In the book of 1 Samuel chapter 9, um, God told Samuel that I'm going to send you somebody who I've chosen to be a king. I'm going to send him to you. But in the morning when they woke up, so God said to Samuel that tomorrow morning or tomorrow I'm going to send you somebody. God has a sense of humor. Interesting. He said, I'm going to send you somebody whom you will anoint as king of Israel. In first Samuel, I think chapter 9 or somewhere there. Um, so when Saul, say Saul, he went to bed. His father was a businessman. And his father used to rear. His father had some donkeys. In those days, if you had donkey, it's like these times you have a limousine. I mean, it is top. Your business is needed for the success of the good business. So they woke they woke up in the morning, and the donkeys of Saul's father Kish, Kish's donkeys, two of them are missing. Now that was not good news at all. Yeah, the donkeys of Saul's father were lost. And he said, please take one servant with you. Take one servant with you. And arise, go and look for the donkeys. Because son, the son didn't even have to wait for that to send him. That these donkeys are very important for your, the success of your business. So sometimes God will touch on something that is so important to you. Your former girlfriend, the girl you liked, now they said she says she's going to church. So she wants to break up with you. So now that's you love her, so you followed her to church. And you came to find Jesus. And now you left her alone. So you follow Jesus. <laughs> so sometimes something precious in your life will go missing. That the search of for which will make you de- find destiny. So don't worry about the person who died. 
you were very close to them and they died, maybe it's time for you to look for God in a, in a different way. So the donkeys were missing and then they went to look for the donkeys. So when they went to, uh, the father sent him, go and look for the donkey, take one of the servants. They went, they searched everywhere. Three days searching for donkeys. Can you imagine? Three days. So, so they passed through the mountains of Ephraim, through the land of Shalisha, but they did not find them. Then they passed through the land of Shalim, and they were not there. So they have been to Ephraim, they have been to Shalisha, they have been to Shalim. The donkeys were not there. I mean, these are places where, when you are looking for donkey, you have to go there. Because those places are where everybody will run to. There are some places where you are looking for some people, you have to go there. You can't expect church to grow without going to the, church, the, the city center and marketplace without looking for the souls there. So, went to, I like this Shalim and Shalisha more than Ephraim. Ephraim, Shalisha, Shalim, and they were not there. Then they passed through the land of Benjamin, the Benjamites. You have Saul is a Benjamite. Went to their hometown proper where he comes from. But they went, did not find them. Four places. Then what happened? When they had come to the land of Zelph, Saul said to his servants who was with him, Come, let us return. Because now the problem is no more going to be donkeys. I'm going to be the problem. Because dad loves me more than the donkeys. And dad has lost donkeys. He shouldn't lose me. Dad, the reason why your mother is making all that noise about you doing church too much is because she's afraid to lose you. Moms love to have control. They will never, you can let, they can let other things go, but not their husband. Yeah. And their children, particularly their boys. So you want to marry a guy, you have to do your homework well about the level of influence the mother has. The mother has over him. Yes, I'm telling you. I'm just, I'm just advising you. Oh, some, some people, it's their mother. When you were living for uni, who cried? Is it not your mother? It's uni, but she's crying. Every day, call her. Are you okay? Ma, I'm fine. I'm fine. But that's okay. That's, that's mothers for you. So, um, when your life is out of control and you are not actually even studying and now this thing is becoming a problem, that's when they want church to help you. And some of the parents, when church begins to help you and you become stable, they now want to take you. So when you started, they say, oh, I thank pastor. Oh. But now they are, you are doing outreach for Jesus. And they said, this thing, you are doing it too much. So well, he said, let's go other than that. My father will become worried about me. Not knowing all these things, God had a plan in it. And the servant, the servant was playing the role like the Holy Spirit. But when Jesus is sending you, he doesn't send you alone. He will make sure that there was servant, someone who is helping you. He's not doing the job. You are doing the job, but he's helping you. He's making sure whatever you need to do. You know when you go to theater, there are the, there are the surgeons, and there are maybe sometimes even two surgeons or one surgeon, but there are other people, about four of them or five of them, depending who are there. They are saying, what are they doing here? No, they are coming to serve. That the Holy Ghost is just there to help you to do the work. So when the guy said, my parents will be worried about me. I think we should start making our way back home. Okay, let's consider this donkey thing a lost business. We've lost those donkeys. We've lost them. Let's go back home. And the servant said, ah, we can't just go. The servant said, look now, there is in this city a man that Americans, black Americans, a man that God. <laughs> the black Americans say, Menda God. There is a Menda God, and he is an honorable man. You want to be a man of God, the porn you have been watching. You look like a man of God, 
But you are not honorable. You are, not, you are too lustful. When sisters come around you, they, they can tell. The way you are looking at them, they feel uncomfortable. The way you are hugging them, they feel uncomfortable. What you are projecting will determine what will be injected. In the world, it's buying and selling. In the kingdom, it's giving and receiving. So the worldly system, Jesus said, it's more blessed to give than to... Ah, no, 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 no. If I give you, this is mine. If I give it to you, who has benefited? Is it not you who has benefited? Jesus said, no, when you give it, you are benefited. It's more blessed to give than to receive. You see, one of the... When you read the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all the letters, the words of Jesus are in red. And so in Revelation, when he was dictating to John, it was also in red. So once in a while, other places, because epistles, Jesus was not speaking in the epistles, like direct, when he was on earth. So, but in the book of Acts, it's story, telling the story about um, the story about the early church when the, the church was born after Jesus had left. So Acts starts with Jesus left in Acts chapter 1 verse 11. That's when he left them. So the rest of the chapter 1 which ends around 22 verse 22 and the entirety of Acts which ends in chapter 28 is all about the works of the early church or the works of the ascended Jesus in the early church. So that's why when Saul was tempering with the church, Jesus tempered with him and said, why, Acts chapter 9 verse 5, why persecuted thou me? But he said, where are you? Is this church people I'm dealing with? You also think, he said, yes, because you think I'm in heaven, but I, yes, I am, but I'm working through the church on earth. So when you touch the church, you have touched me because the church is the body of Christ. So in Acts, Acts was just basically about the birth and the activities of the early church, the first century church, how they went about things. So when you look at the book of Acts very carefully, you hardly see the words of Jesus. But when you get to Acts chapter 20, Paul was speaking, and then the verse 25, it says it brings the red letters there. But how Jesus said, and that when you read your Bible, it's red letter, you see it's in italics, that's a quotation. They quoted direct speech from Jesus. It is more blessed to give than to receive. So it's just a direct speech from Jesus. Jesus said, it is more blessed, and that is in red. In all of Acts, you don't see too many. But this particular one, the words of Jesus were directly referred to in, the, in red. Because it's a very important principle and if, if you might say philosophy. It's, you can't miss this. So it says it's, giving is a blessing. But in the world, it's not like that. In the world, taking is your blessing. That's why people want to take advantage of others. If you are trying to do some small works in your house and you bring builders, many builders will take advantage of you. If you have an old car and you take it to the mechanics, they, sometimes they won't tell you the truth. Because everybody in, everywhere in the world buys wilder in the United Kingdom and the West. Wilder, everybody takes advantage of somebody. People are not considerate when it comes to what they want from you. The, it, landlords are taking advantage of tenants. Yes. That's why they are trade standard. And even that, they find a way of taking advantage. Bankers are taking advantage of customers. Not you. See, there are systems, but it doesn't look direct. But any means they will get. Because in the world, it's just taking, it's, it's, it's more blessed to take than to give. Wow. Then Jesus comes and changes it. He said, it's more blessed to give than to take. In the kingdom, it is giving and receiving. It's not receiving and giving, please. <laughs> you don't start with receiving. It starts with giving. Philippians chapter 4, I think verse 17 or so. In giving and receiving. And giving, they are twins. So the other twin is receiving. You don't give and that's the end. Did you hear what I say? Giving doesn't end the cycle. Giving starts a cycle that cannot end until receiving has come in. 
So anytime you are given, when it comes to kingdom practices, when you are given, know that you have started a process. You've started something that is going to come back. You throw a ball at a wall, you have started the process. Something. You throw water, you throw a stone in the water, you've started, there'll be ripple effect. So giving does not end things. Giving actually starts things. Spiritually, it's true. So God said that I have, uh, so they went to um, Luz, and then the servant said, don't leave, there's a, a man of God in this city. He's an honorable man. Honorable. Say honorable. honorable. Say it again. Honorable. Say honorable. honorable. Yeah. If you want to do work of ministry, you have to start practicing how to carry yourself with honor. The way you dress, the attire, your hairstyle. Some hairstyles don't connote honor. They, co- they connote madness. Because when you look at all the prominent men and honorable men in our world, they don't look like the way you look. It's only the prisoners who look like you. So to sway a lot of young black boys, they have to create a certain system in the gang culture. So some of us, our standard look has barred you from some places, but you don't know. It's cultural conditioning. Oh, but but it's, it's by race. This is how we look. Look at all the honorable people in that race. Check the way the honorable people look and look at how the gangsters and the rap artists, most of whom are twisted based on Igbo and Shayo and drugs. Yeah. Look at how the standard look of drug dealers. There's a way an honorable man and an honorable woman will look like, should look like. Some of us, our world view of how you should be has been distorted. So you think you can be with anybody, you can be anything, eat anything, and become something. <laughs> no, it doesn't work like that. You are what you eat. Yes. And who you hang around with, you become. Wow. And my point is, you want to be a representative of God. You want to be an agent of God. You want to be a man God uses. You want to do the works of God. What must we do to do the works of God? Come on. You must know that anyone who does God's work must carry honor. You must be an honorable person. Some of us, we lie. You lie too much. What I don't understand is someone who doesn't care where you are, you fight with anybody. Fighting, take off your shirt. Who do you think? Who do you think you are? Who do you think you are? I don't like the way you do it. No, please. No. You must be an honorable person. Have you ever seen MP fighting in the market? No, they will, leave, they will lose their seats. <laughs> it's important you carry yourself with honor. Some of us with criminal records, you have to change your dress, you know. The system as you, you've been seen with drugs before. You are in church. Is it that time you are going to do tattoos? Is it the time you are going to look like a gangster? Your, your history is sorry. When someone accuses you, it's easy to believe. It's just to sway people off. To sway people off because you are addressed the way you dress. You want to be an honorable person, be married to an honorable man, have an honorable family. Start from yourself, not from somebody. So they said there's an honorable there's a man in the city. He's an honorable man. All that he says surely comes to pass. Let us go there. Perhaps he can show us the way that we should go. Wow. When you come here, we have to show you the way you should go. So allow me to tell him that you can marry her. Yes, It's my job to show you the way. I'm not controlling you. But it's a signboard. It's like a signboard cannot force you. I will show you tomorrow when you cast that crime. I told you, Paul told them in Acts chapter 27. He said, you should have listened to me and not to have sailed from Crete. 27, 21, 22, somewhere. Man and brother, you should have listened to me and not to have sailed from Crete and suffered these losses. When you, when you don't follow the direction a man of God speaks, you only end up with losses. Losses, some of the losses are divorce. 
Some of the Lord is broken heart. Some of the Lord is sexually transmitted disease. Some of the Lord is prison. Did you achieve anything? Some of the losses, you are out of ministry. You could have been a great woman of God, a great man of God, but now, now look at you. Look at you. Drinking Ibo and Shayo. Alright, so he says that whatever he says to come, let's go. Maybe he will show us the way that we should go. And then they went. And then the, you see the king, the guy was brought from a very healthy family. No wonder God chose him to be the king, not the servant. Those of us who think that God is not fair. Yes, he isn't. Because he shouldn't have chosen you. Because you did more of the bad things than them, but they are dead. So you start talking about fairness. You will get justice. What you need is mercy. You have to believe God. God have mercy on me. I have not been that good. I have not been that nice. God has a lot of mercy. That's why there is room for anybody in church. It doesn't matter what you used to be. God has room for you. It doesn't matter what you've done. So it has to do with boundaries. So what boundaries are not in place will determine how danger, uh, what kind of danger you'll be exposed to. That's why when children are growing up, you know, in certain homes, when the electric cables, you have to put boundaries, a child cannot go. There are a lot of places a child should not be allowed to go. There are a lot of things a child should not be allowed to see. There's a lot of things a child should not be allowed to hear. In our society, they are downgrading it. They are bringing it lower, lower, lower. Am I preaching to somebody at all? Many church people feel like, me, I don't have some. They are lying. They have it. Because of that, you have to judge yourself and put the appropriate boundaries in place before you mess up your honor. The difference between him who is pastoring and you is one, the boundaries. The boundaries he's willing to submit himself under. So it's not like he's a better person God can use than you. But it's because the boundaries are not in place. You are always increasing the level of your guilt. You can't do God's work properly in guilt. You can't sew wedding dress with dirty hands. And the church is a bride. Who, according to Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 and 8, is clothed in bright linen. I saw the bride of the Lamb. Clothed in linen. Let us be glad for the wedding of the Lamb has come. Bride has made herself. Look at verse 8. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine. Give me a different NIV. Fine linen, bright and clean, was given her to wear. So you are, if you want to do church work effectively, it is necessary to have clean hands. Because you are sewing the dress for the bride. You are working on the bride. You can't be sewing wedding dresses with dirty hands. That is what, that's why your righteousness and your purity is important. And to keep righteousness and purity, you need some boundaries. Some of you should say, I don't talk to some uh, guys after a certain hour, maybe after nine, after ten. I don't like talking to guys, whether they are in church or not, because I know myself. I know myself. I don't want to be over-friendly to girls because I, I have a weakness towards girls. You see, Satan makes, tries to convince you to think your problem is an isolated problem. It's unique. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, it says that no temptation has come to you, which, but, which you can, say every temptation, no, no temptation has overtaken you except that which is common to man. So the pro, what you think is your temptation, a lot of people have the same thing. I know you like girls, but I'm telling you, you are not the only one. The world has presented an image of the church which is not true. The, the falling church has presented an image of the church to the world which is not true. Because you are a man. You love God. You are genuine about this God thing. But your body doesn't love God. Sir, God saved you, not your flesh. Yes. 
The flesh is not redeemable. God didn't have plans to redeem the flesh. So as long as we live on this earth, the flesh will be at war with your spirit life. You can be a pope, a bishop, cardinal, prophet, master prophet, or just join church. The flesh will always pose problems for you. Attitude, unforgiveness, lust, greed for money, gossip. All those things are in the flesh. You are born again by yourself who exhibit it. So then you have to now, part of your Christian life, you work Christ into you. And Bible says that walk in the spirit, Galatians chapter 5 verse 16, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Because the desires of the flesh ain't going to leave you any day. It's not leaving you. It's not leaving you. That's why you hear somebody say, pastor, not pastor, and then you hear that he's falling with. Because the human nature is the same. He's born again, and now we have to work out ourselves. Salvation, Philippians chapter 2. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You have to work it out. Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. You have to work it out. Salvation has already been worked in at redemption. When you come to Christ, salvation has been worked in. Now you have to work out. When you say someone is working out, the muscles, the muscles are not coming from Tesco. The muscles are already inside. You got to work it out. Work it out, work it out, work it out. Some of you are thinking that after a while, you will lose taste for a lot of things. Sorry, you are not likely to lose taste, but the taste will not have control over you. You are not, you are, you are used to, you are used to seeing an image of a, the type of man you like, but now it doesn't have that impact on you because you are able to just focus and go. You are used to seeing an image of a type of woman you like, but this time it can't have control over you because you've been working it out so much that now you're able to look at it and see it and walk away unless you begin to give it focus when you begin to focus on it then begin to activate old passions you begin to awaken love and when love is awakened you become like any other person you will do the most stupid thing you never thought you would do because you have allowed the flesh to take control if the flesh take control that's how someone is born again by is going to get drunk that's why somebody's in the choir by is pregnant. That's why somebody is preaching and is fornicating. That's why somebody is praying in tongues. Meanwhile, this week, he's going to impregnate a woman. How come? How did that happen? We are, is the person not born again? Sorry, the person is still born again, but the flesh is not born again. And you have to work out your salvation. You have to take God. Bible says that the soul is what some things are warring against the soul. First Peter chapter 1. He said that this is wars. Your soul is at war. Something is warring against against you. Something is fighting against you. You want to do the things that please God. But there's something inside you that keeps pulling you back. That keeps pulling you back. And it makes you feel very sorry. It makes you feel very wretched. Especially when the preacher is preaching. You feel you are too bad a sinner. No, that's not the case. The word of God comes to cut. Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. The word of God is sharper than any two sword. So when the word of God comes, it comes to cut. It's good. It's cutting you. Why are you in sin and the word of God is not cutting you? Why are you not walking? Why are you walking in the flesh and the word is not cutting you? If you walk in the flesh, the word must cut. If you walk in sin, the word must cut. Why? Because God wants you back on track. See now, let me show you something. God came in the Garden of Eden. I'm preaching. I didn't intend to preach. God came in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 3 from verse 9, 10, and 11. And God came and Adam and Eve heard his voice walking in the cool of the day. And they hid themselves. And God said, Adam, where are you? Where are you and where are you? He said, where are you? He said, we heard your voice. And we were naked, I was, so I was afraid. And so I hid myself. Have you eaten what I've told you not to eat? He said, the woman. He didn't answer the question. He said, the woman. So, and God said, okay. God went to the woman. Why have you done this? Eating the, the woman said, the devil. That tells you how much God is forgiving. And God went to the devil. He didn't ask him a question. He said, curse be upon you. God never cursed man. Why? Because he had already blessed man in Genesis chapter 1 verse 28. He doesn't care what he has blessed. 
So, oh, but God cares. No, no, no. You read your Bible very God never cares man when man fell. He cares the devil. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 16, and he preached the gospel to the devil. The first gospel, he said, the seed of the woman shall bruise your head. And you bruise it. That's talking about Jesus. In theological circles, it's called proto-evangelion. The first gospel. The first gospel that was really preached was preached by God and the audience was not church. The audience was the devil. God preached the first gospel to the devil and told him that Jesus is coming and this thing you have done, this thing you have done to the flesh, Jesus would redeem man and the flesh would no longer have dominion. Oh, come on. Romans chapter, Romans chapter 6 verse 14. He said, sin shall no longer... Ah! Why are you saying I can't stop when you are born again? Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Sin shall no longer have dominion over you. Lift up your right hand and say, sin shall no longer have dominion over me. Say it again. Sin shall no longer have dominion over me. Please sit down. And verse 19 went to the man and he said, because you have done this thing, the ground is cursed. He didn't curse the man. He said, you, because you have done this thing, curse is the ground. He couldn't point to the man and curse him. He said, the ground is cursed for your sake. He said, to, to produce tongues and thistles. Tongues. So Jesus came on the cross. He took the tongues. They put them in his head. That's how merciful God is. That's how merciful that even in the midst of your mess, he can reach out to you and he said, don't run away from me. I don't like what the preacher is preaching. Don't run away. God still have room for you. But he can't help you if you don't admit and recognize you're a sinner. It starts with you knowing where you are. So the only way a person can be saved is when they admit they are sinners. When they admit they're sinners. Anyone who has not admitted I'm a sinner cannot be saved. Because Jesus said, I did not come to the righteous. I came to save sinners. Mark chapter 2 verse 17. The son of God, the son of man came to save sinners. So if you are not a sinner, he didn't come to save you. Matthew chapter 1 verse 21. He said he shall be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. He is a savior from sins. The savior of the world. But he saves only sinners. If you are not a sinner, salvation is not for you. Salvation is only prescribed for sinners. And so the preacher is supposed to preach for, to help you identify the fact that I'm a sinner. When you know you are a sinner, what you know is you deserve the judgment of God. The hand of God is against you. In Romans chapter 1 verse 18, it says the wrath of God is revealed against all unrighteousness. God has got wrath. Say the wrath of God. So the wrath of God, they say God is all loving. God is all shut up. God is not just loving. God is also wrathful. God is angry. I said, God is angry against unrighteousness and ungodliness and unrighteousness of not devils, of men. God is loving. That's why I advise preachers, stop overemphasizing on the love of God. Because sometimes you overemphasize it and distort the meaning of it. The fact that I tolerate you doesn't mean I celebrate you. I can accept you without endorsing your sins. But why are you preaching love to mean it endorses sinful behavior? Because that's how I am. That's why Jesus also came. He told the woman, John chapter 8, Woman, where are your accusers? Was, not, was there not no one human being could claim they are innocent? Leaders of the religious leaders. No human being could claim innocence. Boy, this pastor preaching to you is not innocent. He's not innocent. The pain you go through, I also go through. The desires, if you like, let us, let's put the two of us in some room somewhere. And leave us for 24 hours and see if I will not be hungry. Or leave us for 48 hours and see if I will not be hungry. Or give me water to drink and see if I won't want to wee-wee. I want to wee-wee. It's normal human being. Or keep eating buffet. A 
every restaurant must have a toilet. <laughs> and every mansion has no toilet. Toilets. So I'm telling you that anyone who is in church leadership is not better than you. Except the things, the restrictions, and how much is knowing of God. The more you know God, the more grace multiplies to you. <laughs> the more you know God, the more, in fact, grace and peace, not only grace, grace and peace. Second Peter, I'm sorry, Second Peter chapter 1, verse 2. Grace and peace multiply unto you what? According to your knowledge of God. It's my knowledge of God that gives me an advantage over you when it comes to the things of God. It's not my holiness because I'm so good a person. Oh, no, no, no. I have the things that tempt me. It might not be the same things that tempt you, but I have. And what, tempt, what doesn't tempt you might be what tempts me. So let's say you like rice. And you can't stand jollof rice. rice. Jollof rice tempts you too much. You can't fast when there's jollof rice. And me, I don't, jollof rice doesn't mean anything to me. So what we must start doing in church is we focus on other people's weaknesses. You are just like the one who prayed in the temple. Luke chapter 18 from the, the publican, the Pharisee. He said, oh, thank you, I'm not like other men. This extortionist. He didn't acknowledge sin. God wants, so when they brought the woman in Luke chapter, sorry, John chapter 8, and Jesus said, which, whoever is without sin, and he wasn't talking to one person. He who is without sin, just let him start the process. They didn't say joining, he said let him start. One, I just need one person who can start stoning the sinner. Then the rest can join. Bible says that none of them. Look at the next verse. Bible says that then those who heard it being convicted by their conscience went out one by one beginning with the oldest. Doesn't matter how old you are. This thing is a human problem. So the good preaching will help you know you are a sinner. And then when you admit you are a sinner you ask for mercy not merit. Good preaching drives you towards God in humility. Bad preaching makes you think God owes you something. God has to love me. Why am I going if there's God? Why am I going through all this thing? If there's God, why did my father die before my mother? If there, oh, come on. People are going through worse things and they're even talking more sensibly. A good preaching will make you realize that Actually, it's not my father. My father who died is not the problem. I should die. Yes. I should die. Suddenly, you realize that, wow, I should die. Then you begin to ask for mercy. And there's one thing about God. When you ask for mercy, he can't say no. Good news for the bad guys. Those who think they are good enough, this is not for you. Those who think they are bad enough. God said, I have enough mercy. So, they said, there's a holy man of God. Let's go. He will show us the way. Maybe he will show us the way. So, they went. And the guy said, but you know, I, I was going to say something. You see the difference between the potential king and the servant? The king taught something spiritual. He didn't realize, but that's how he's been raised. So, his mindset. He said, but how can we appear before a man of God? We don't have anything to give. The vagabonds who cannot be in rain, so long as God's program is concerned. They say, oh, oh, do, I, do I always have to give something when I go to church? You are a vagabond. <laughs> in the kingdom, it's giving and receiving. It is more blessed to you know, So let's go. So they went. When they met the man of God, okay, let's fast forward. When they were on their way going, God had already told the prophet that tomorrow I'm going to send a man your way. So you are thinking it's this morning you decided to come. In John chapter 1 from verse 45 somewhere, 46, 40, 48 I think. He said that I saw you under the tree. Before they called you. Nathaniel said, Jesus answered, before Philip called you, when you were under the fig tree, I saw you. 
Jesus didn't talk about whether bad or right or he just everybody is in somewhere. Is, is in something or might be caught in something. And Jesus is not I'm, I'm about to shock you. Jesus is not very bothered about what you are doing. He's concerned about where you are going. So don't let what you are doing stop you from coming to him because he will still take you and help you re-channel re your direction. Did you, do you understand what I'm saying? So, I want to finish this. Tomorrow about this time, I will send you a man from the land of Benjamin and you shall anoint him commander over my, uh, my people Israel that he may, he may save my people from the hand of the Philistine for I have looked upon my people because, of their, because their cry have come to me. Sometimes God will call somebody not because of you but because of the people. Every pastor is not called for himself, for his family. He's called for the people. That's why who you marry must understand this. Who you marry must understand that you have been called with an assignment for the people on the behalf of God. And if you serve them, God will serve your interests. Now watch this. He said, I have appointed him. I want you to anoint him. Ah, but this guy, why did he leave the house? For three days, he was looking for donkey. His father sent him to go and look for donkey. No, God had a plan. His father didn't know. The donkeys didn't know. He himself didn't know. Nobody knew except God. And then after two, two days after he's left the house and he's walking, he's looking for donkey. Now he said, my father will look for me. Let's go home. The servant said, we can't go home. Let's go and look for a man of God. And he thought it's a good idea because the man of God will show us the way. He didn't say he will make us find a donkey. Show us the way. Maybe you came here looking for a, a girlfriend. I came here to show you the way. Maybe you came here because you are very lonely at home. I came to show you the way. So he will show us the way. And so when they met the man of God, when they were entering the city, they met the man of God. God had already told him, I'm sending you somebody. But the guy didn't know. He didn't discuss it to the guy. Can you imagine? Meanwhile, this is what is called the providence of God. Do you know who betrayed Jesus? Judas. How many of you know God told him to do it? God told him to do it. God came, hey, go and betray Judas. Jesus. God didn't tell him. But it was written that someone would betray him. According to Acts chapter 1, verse 16, Peter said that for the Holy Ghost said by the mouth of David. Can you imagine? Holy Ghost is speaking by using the mouth of Pastor David. So stop throwing tongues at Pastor David and listen to the Holy Ghost and break that relationship with the Lord. When the brethren, the scripture says, which the Holy Ghost spoke by the mouth of David concerning Judas. Wow. Way, way, yes, David was over 14 generations to Judas. Wow. And yet the Holy Ghost has spoken by the David said about Judas that somebody will betray Jesus. Somebody will betray God when God comes. So now Peter picks on it and said, the Holy Spirit has said, now the sovereignty of God, the, the providence of God is this, that he didn't tell Judas do it. If God was not involved, Judas would have done it. So Judas cannot claim innocence because it's like someone holding the gun and pulling the trigger and pull the trigger only to realize there's no bullet in it. He can't say, well, I was just joking. <laughs> Too late. You know there's no there's no bullet in it. And he took the gun and he said, I'll kill you. He said, please don't kill me. I'll give you, I'll give me the money. Give me the money. He said, okay, bye, stupid man. <laughs> he knew I was killing you. That's what Judas did. But he killed him. So Judas cannot claim innocence. He's equally culpable, and yet, even though it was his own plan, his own desires, it was actually fulfilling the plan. Now, and it wasn't only Judas. It wasn't only Judas. Those, the, the chief priests who commissioned his arrest, and the, the, the Pontius Pilate who killed him, they were all working for their own political interest and religious interest. None of them was working in the interest of God or in the interest of Jesus. They were, they were actually planning to get rid of him, but God said that they would get rid of you. And watch this, what I like about Acts chapter, chapter 2, verse 22. Bible says that a man attested, Jesus Christ, a man attested by God with signs and wonder miracle amongst you. Look at the verse 23. Let's read it out. Let's go. Him being delivered by the determined purpose and full 
What delivered Jesus? It was the determined purpose and the foreknowledge of God. But it was executed by these lawless hands. <laughs> they were carrying out their lawless activity. But whilst they were doing that, they were fulfilling the purpose of God. Just, 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 just like Joseph. The father sent him to go and bring his food to his brothers. But the father sending him was another. God was actually sending him. Bible said God sent him. But it was the father who sent him to go and give food. No, his father sending him was where God sent him to Egypt. God said, I'm going to send you to Egypt. But the father didn't know what he said. Hey, hey, Joseph, go and give food to your brother. He sent him. When he got, he was coming from a father. The brother said, here comes the dreamer. Let's catch him and kill him. And then they started deliberating. So what is it? No, let's kill him. Other said, no, let's kill him. Okay, the, one of the brothers said, let's put him in a, in, a, in, a, in a ditch, in the dungeon. So later on, he come and release him. When he put him there, and then they saw the Ishmaelites. Say Ishmaelites. Say Ishmaelites. What does it remind you? Ishmael. Abraham went Ishmael. Those are the Ishmaelites that sold, that bought Joseph. Ishmaelites. When you are going outside the will of God, be careful. It will affect your future. When you are going outside the will of God, it will affect. So Ishmaelites came and they bought Joseph. And when they bought Joseph, they, the Moabites, they took him, they took him away to Egypt. That's how God sent him. They didn't know they were planning. That's why when the brothers, many years later, they came and bowed to Joseph. And Joseph said, I'm your brother. You, you so They said, how can it be you? Say, yeah, you sold me. You were selling me, but God was sending me. It's called the, the providence of God. Men were hurting you. Things are going normal. But in the normalcy of human affair, God is working his plan. God is working. I don't know who I'm talking to. Your heart was broken. People betrayed you. Things happened to you. But if you can stick to God, God is sovereign. God is sovereign. God is sovereign. The providence of God is at work in your life. Your father was not there. Your mother was not there. Your sisters betrayed you. Your brothers betrayed you. Evil has happened to you. But God said, all things work together for good to those who love the Lord. And now call according to his purpose. Shout yes, Lord. And then when the guy arrived, afternoon, when the guy arrived, the prophet said, yes. the prophet said, go ahead of me into the city, into the house. We are going to have dinner today and tomorrow I will tell you about you. Why do you need 24 hours to tell me? Wow. Yeah, that's what he said. Go, go up before me to the high place for you shall eat with me today and tomorrow I will, uh, uh, tomorrow I'll let you go and I'll tell you all that is in your heart, not on your mind. It was the donkeys on their mind. But there's greatness in their hearts. He said, let's go. The prophet will show us the way. So he said, go. But, sir, you remember I started by talking about Mark chapter 3, verse 14. Called people to be with him. That's where I was going. Now. I need 24 hours. I want you to spend time with me. Because some things is not just, hello, hi. No. Some things you need to spend time they have been with Jesus. He appointed 12 that they will be with him. You, where you find yourself will determine what grows in you. Come, today you are going to eat with me. And tomorrow I will tell you, prophet, my father is looking for me. I have to go. Three days, I have to go back. Just tell me now. He said, no, it doesn't work like that. You got to spend some time with me for something to rub on you. Because who you spend time with will determine what you catch. Some things are not taught. They are caught. You got to catch something. You got to catch something. You got to catch something. That's why I have a, I just don't understand why, why someone will come to church and their preferred place of sitting is the back. Because when you are at the back, distractions are more. From the day I got born again, I've always wanted to come close to the front. No wonder today God has made me a frontliner. I've always wanted to come close to the front. I want to come so close so that I can see the pastor. I can concentrate more. I can catch more. Because if I can catch, I will become. If I can catch, I will become. He said, spend time with me. In Acts chapter 4, they threatened them. Verse 13. And Peter said, who should we obey? Bible said, when they saw, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they per and perceived that they were under the chicken, and they marveled and they realized that they had, they had, 
There's something that happens to you when you be with some people. You don't tell people where you have been. Oh, listen to this. You don't tell people where you have been. They will see you have been somewhere. (laughs) When a girl gets pregnant, she doesn't have to tell anybody I've been with somebody. They will see, girl, you've been somewhere and been busy. Yeah. When you be with some people, when you be in some places, it begins to show. After this camp, I know a lot of people's commitment will go high. Because you have come to be in an atmosphere. You've you've been with Pastor David. Listen, if you know anyone by accident or by chance, you know anyone who says that he was around the days I was in school and they said they were my schoolmates. Ask them. Ask them. They will tell you David Entry has always been like this from secondary school. Not university. From secondary school. And many people who were with me have become preachers today. Many. Some are bishops all over the world. People who had been with me because if you be with this David. Yeah, we preach Jesus. Or I'll make you a soul winner. So, Hebrews 6, 10 says, God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. So, some of us in the day of crisis, it's your labor investment which heaven will have to count on. But if you don't have equity, yes. Those of us who hit and run. Alright, so we are here to be with one another so that you can catch something. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. The best thing that can happen to you is being exposed to the Word of God. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, LinkedIn, and subscribe to Karis Church on YouTube. You can also find more information about Karis Church and our upcoming services by visiting karis.org. Be blessed.